0: One of my interests is gentrification, and one of the reasons is because I've lived it. So I've lived in an area where nobody wanted to live, where it was only blue-collar, low-income workers, and you fast-track 30 years, and now all the white-collar professionals, the hipsters, they all want to move into this area.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with property professor Peter Kalisos, author, lecturer and avid property investor. We'll follow his journey from flipping houses after school in LA to teaching year 3 in the New York Peninsula all the way to now working as Program Director the Master of Property at the University of Adelaide. Having experience in both the theory and practice of the property market, connecting life and learning to help others is one of Kalisos' greatest joys.
0: Before I was a university lecturer, I was a school teacher Um, but now, so now what I have is. I have a passion for teaching and a passion for property. So, being able to teach property, you know, that's as good as it gets. It doesn't get any better than that for me.
1: So, what does this fusion look like on an average day?
0: So, in, in a typical day, I'd have a class. There's obviously student inquiries before the class, student inquiries after the class. Unfortunately, there's marking which I'm not a big fan of but has to be done. Uh, admin But I mean, there's also, you know, flexibility. It's good. I I often catch up with my students just over coffee, um, not just about property, but also what their aspirations are. Not so much in creating wealth, because here I'm I'm more about uh, helping them find a career in property. Uh, And because most of my students are international students a long way from home, in particular now COVID-19, I think they appreciate speaking to somebody who's a bit more mature than than they are, got some experience, in life and in property. So yeah, for me, it's again, keeping it real, it's not just about study, it's also about the whole person.
1: Growing up, Kalisos found that being immersed in the property industry from an early age had a subconscious effect on his trajectory.
0: My father was a real estate agent, hence the interest in real estate. Now you know, I didn't make a conscious decision to get into uh, the real estate area. But I just think through a process of osmosis and sitting down at the dinner table and listening about property every day and sometimes helping my dad because he was an avid investor himself, sometimes helping dad with maybe, you know, taking rubbish to the dump or doing some jobs around some investment properties or properties that he he used to be a a big flipper, buy something, fix it up and sell it. Um, And so that's how I got into property. You know, what kid wants to be on the back of a trailer or at a dump throwing rubbish when it's 30 degrees when they could be out playing with their mates. Um, but, look, I never really found it a, a chore. I I really... Uh, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but I didn't mind it. You know, I didn't mind that I was... I, mean, I, I suppose most kids would, be, would love to be asked by their parents to help out because they were seen to be, you know, useful. Um, And so I I enjoyed that bit, Um, but generally speaking, childhood was good. Um, Went to school at uh, Underdale High School, which is a suburb, which is a school in the western suburbs of Adelaide. Um, Yeah, had a great time in school, had a great time at university, and still having a great time at university.
1: Before Kalisos was a university lecturer, his students were quite a bit younger,
0: so straight from high school I went to Teachers College. Back then you didn't have to go to university to be a, a teacher, you just went to Teachers College. So I went to Teachers College and got my, back then it was just a diploma you needed, three years. Now you need a four year degree to be a teacher. First job was out in the country, in South Australia. So I had a contract for a year and then I had some part time positions for two years in the city. And then I got my first permanent job back out in the country on the York Peninsula in South Australia. Stayed there for seven years and then came back and taught in the city in a couple of different schools. So I started off teaching the young ones like year three and year four, but most of the time I was teaching year sixes and year sevens. Um, And I, um, I developed a great interest in financial literacy, especially when I came back to the city. So I actually wrote a unit of work called Money Matters for Kids, where I would teach kids about saving and investing and budgeting and finding your right career. And I incorporated, you know, tried to incorporate as many areas of the curriculum as I could. Um, and we used to have, you know how how you have school fairs, school faves, so we, we would have that, but I would call it an enterprise fair because if the kids wanted to say, set up a sausage sizzle they had to give me a business plan. So, how many sausages do you expect to sell? How much are the sausages going to cost you? Where are you going to get the barbecue from? How much is the gas going to cost you? And then, you know, come up with the bottom line, whether it was sausages, whether it was cupcakes.
1: Still wanting to build on his passion for property investing, he continued to develop his knowledge during his teaching career.
0: When I was uh, teaching, I also went back and did postgraduate qualifications in property and town planning so um for me yeah your your learning doesn't finish at the end of school or at the end of university because things change things change i realized that i had a big interest in real estate both my wife and i did the diploma in real estate or whatever the correct term was back then just to have a better on un- because that's all you i mean you could do a degree but um, i wasn't really interested in doing a degree in real estate back then so I did a, a diploma in real estate to get a better understanding of in particular the buying and selling process um, and, and like I said before, my wife did that as well.
1: It wasn't until returning to his hometown that Kalisos realized he could forge his love of teaching and property into a new kind of role.
0: Then when I came to back to Adelaide, um, I, I uh, worked out that I wanted to get into adult education I mean, there are still some things now that I miss about school teaching, but I also I also wanted to have the experience of teaching adults. So I started at, in, in some places in Australia, they call it like adult community education. So you can go there to learn anything from how to start a business, playing the drums, massage, you know, so it's an informal education. You don't finish up with some sort of paper. So I started, I wrote some courses and started teaching there. And then I decided if anyone's going to take me seriously in teaching property, I had I needed more than just a a teaching degree. And so it was then uh, I I went back to uni to study part time to do a, a graduate diploma in property, and then I did a master of business in property, and then later on I did a masters of urban and regional planning.
1: Coming up after the break, we delve into Peter Kalisos' property investment journey and when he first started putting his theory to the test.
0: You can change many many other things. You can you know, make the house bigger, make the house smaller, knock down the house. You can make the block bigger by buying next door. You can make the block smaller by subdividing but the one thing you cannot change is where it is.
1: Some of the realities of investing with others.
0: Even though my brothers-in-law are very nice are probably they might be listening to this who knows but I just decided I don't know if I'm a bit of a control freak but I would prefer to do things on my own.
1: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, let's be real Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So do you want to get a better return with lower risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Coleesa's first investment was perhaps like many of us, the family home.
0: So we bought our f- first house when I got my first permanent job in the country, and one of the reasons was because there was nothing to rent. And back then, as it is now, it cost it just as much to rent a place as it did to buy a place. You needed the deposit, but so far as the weekly outflow was concerned, the mortgage repayment was about the same as the rent. So we bought a house there, had a f- first child out in the country, and then we we bought our first investment in the first year we came back. So there were we bought a group of units in the town we used to live in, and we still have them now. Um, and one of the reasons one of the reasons is we, we had good cash flow. We knew, we had local knowledge, which is really important in property because the one thing you can't change in property is location. Local knowledge is really important, and so we were comfortable with buying the group of units there. Um, and then yeah. The, the, that's where our investment journey started.
1: At the beginning of Khaleesa's investment journey, not every property purchase was financially achievable alone.
0: The next one was a project which was buying an old house on a big block. We got the planning approval to keep the house and build two at the back. We were in no position there to build because I didn't know anything about building for a start plus you needed you know, big money back then and, and so my three, I said to my three brothers-in-law but if we do this together, and we're talking now in the 80s, right? So you couldn't buy it for this price. So I said to them all, because we had to come up with a deposit, I said, if you each give me $6,000, uh, I'll, I'll be able to give you $6,000 back plus another $6,000. So which was 100% return on equity, not a 100% return on investment, but 100% return on equity. But I didn't have any money. So I asked one of my brothers-in-law to give me the $6,000. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, because I figured, you know, well, I knew a bit about property. They had the money, let's put it together and let's do something. And yeah, that, that, that's how it started. Everyone got their $6,000 back. They got, the next, they got a $6,000 profit. So basically we put, we had to put in $24,000 for the deposit, borrow the rest, finish the project, pay off all the debts. They get that. Everyone gets their money back and plus they get that again
1: in profit. While his group investing experiences have largely been positive, he wouldn't recommend it as a regular tactic.
0: We've generally done stuff on our own because when I mean, there's enough risk in investing anyway. But when you invest with other people, then you, then you introduce business risk. And, and even though you, the people that you work with, you know, whether it was my brother-in-law or, or my cousin, are all lovely people and nice. Number one, they may not be the best person to do business with because they may not be business savvy. You know, they may not spend wisely or they're really tight and they won't spend at all. But the other reason is, you know, even though the person you're investing in is really nice, you don't know much about their partner. And if it's a long-term project, you know, and things go wrong with the partnership of your friend or your relative, then, you know, that, that puts some complexity into the project. Then you might have to sell when you didn't really want to. Or they are being influenced by their partner, which then puts pressure on you. So personally, I just find it's better for me and and certainly easier to do projects on my own. But when I first started, I couldn't afford to do that. So, you know, people who are listening to this need to make up their own mind. Just be aware that there that there are added risks when you do deals with other people.
1: Not all of Kalisa's property investments have planned out perfectly, although he thinks that through every frustrating experience, he is continually learning.
0: Probably the worst was, we for those people that know Adelaide, you probably heard of Glenel Beach, which is the premier beach. It's like the Sydney's equivalent of Bondi, or Adelaide's equivalent of Bondi. Sorry. Um, so we had a we had a property just one street back from the beach. And it was a group of 13 uh, bedsitter units or studio apartments. And the location was fantastic. But the quality of tenants was awful. And it was going to be a long-term investment. But we only had it for six months. The market was going up, so we actually sold it at a profit, which was good. Um, and now I see, because it is so close to the beach, somebody's going to build some apartments on it, which is lovely. And I'm sure they make a mozza. But we don't regret selling because that was the best decision at the time under the circumstances. And so that probably taught me a good lesson in local knowledge. So it's not just about the suburb, but it's about where in particular in the suburb. So which street are you buying in? Which part of the street are you buying in? And what type of property are you buying? Obviously, if I bought houses in uh, Glenelg, I probably would have been better off so far as the quality of tenant was concerned. Um, but, you know, very small properties in poor condition, even though the land component was quite valuable, it didn't attract the best tenants. So, that was a very interesting lesson.
1: For Kalisos, someone who understands the value of lifelong learning, these moments of realisation have helped him become a more savvy investor.
0: was when I was doing my Masters of Urban and Regional Planning. The region I did it, is because I wanted to learn more about it personally, not not professionally, but personally, so I could I could do more developments, but do it with an educated and informed mindset rather than just hoping for the best. And it was one of the, and I so I picked I cherry picked the courses that I wanted to do. Um, and I said to myself, I don't need to do the whole masters, but I'll pull out when I stop enjoying it. I stopped enjoying it when I was writing my paper, but by then it was too late so I just finished I decided to write my paper and move on. But the biggest lesson I learned was, and this is still true, and for anyone listening in in Australia, when you're you're looking at development and you're looking at the plans, whether they're developed by the council or the state government, all these plans are guidelines. So where it says, you need a minimum of 300 square meters per dwelling and a minimum of nine meter frontage. It doesn't mean that if you have a block of land that's 290 square meters, they're going to say no, or if it's eight and a half metres wide, they're going to say no. Because before then I would look at sites and if it was just under, whether it was area or frontage, I would just move on and look for the next one. But for me, and for me that learning that presented me with many more opportunities, um, because it was the properties that were on the borderline that might get approved or may not, that many people left alone uh, and more experienced developers were willing to risk it. Now, there's no guarantee. You know, you might buy a, let me do my maths here on my head. You might buy an 870 square meter block, which allows you to cut it up into three 290 square meter allotments. But in the end, the council says no. Then what are you gonna do? So you you either when you purchase it, you have to get it subject to council approval or you may have worked out, even if you can only get two on there, you're still going to make money. So one thing that I teach in class is when you're doing a, a development, in, in particular more so than a long-term investment because time is quite forgiving in long-term property investment. But when you're doing a development which has a short-term time frame, you need to do a scenario analysis. What's the most probable outcome? What's the best outcome? But very importantly, what's the worst outcome? And if you're still making money in the worst outcome, you're in a pretty good position.
1: Even though Kalisos has experienced so much success in both his professional life and personal property portfolio, he's proud to help contribute to the success of others.
0: Well, I mean thankfully the kids that I had in my class that were taught money matters for kids, hopefully, you know, they picked up a few basic tips, you know, simple things like make sure that you spend less than you earn and make sure that you save some money and investing is about some sort of sacrifice now for the benefit later on. Well, actually, that's one of the things that I'm thinking of doing when I retire is I'll go back and volunteer in schools to teach them financial literacy. I mean, I don't know how much one person can do, but it's better than nothing.
1: So inspired by Peter Kalisos' story, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll talk about his strategy. The
0: better the cash flow, the lower the quality of the tenant. If we're talking about residential property, commercial property is a different story.
1: Keeping a cool head when circumstances change.
0: I had a development site in 2007 that I was going to build 6 on and it was all good. And then the GFC came along and the bank says no, we're not going to lend you money for six, we're only going to lend you money for four.
1: And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. <laughs> if you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now and I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 40.